So this morning's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're starting at verse 12. Uh, For those of you looking at a church Bible, it's on page 1153. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Excellent. Good morning. Do keep that part of the Bible open, and let me pray for us as we start to look at that. Father God, thank you so much for this church gathered here now. Please would you bless us. Please would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit as we read your word. Would we hear you speaking to us to do us good and build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Mr. I blinked his way into church one day. Looking around, he uh, saw everything. He saw the fingernail family, looking a little bit grubby this morning. He saw old Mrs. Gallbladder, and had he got a nose, he would have turned it up. Mr. I saw it all, and there he sat, very pleased to be there with his wife, the pair of eyes up front and centre, everybody all eyes on them. Meanwhile, Mrs. Foot hopped in late, wiping herself on the mat. And she stood at the back and thought to herself, what use is a smelly old foot? 
not even realising how much the belly buttons looked up to her, and they felt they were the odd ones out. Now, I wonder if you can associate with any of those body parts, whether you are here feeling obviously useful, obviously appealing, like a person's eyes. You know, everybody compliments the eyes. Look at them, they're the windows to the soul. Or more like an appendix, where you're not really sure what you're there for. Something people only notice when it goes wrong. They're glad to have it removed. Well, in this final sermon in the What is Church series, we're going to be looking at the image of the church as a body. Uh, not necessarily a body with googly eyes, as I noticed some funny person has, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, turned the church into a body by putting googly eyes on it. I, I thought, shall I take those off? No, I think it's quite funny. But, uh, so I don't know who did that, but it's not that sort of church as a body, as if there are arms and legs sprouting out of the building. But it's a really, really helpful picture for us of what the church is like. Uh, an amazing way for help us, to help us understand what church is and how to find our place in it. So to start us off, here's the, the big idea, if you like. The church is one body with many parts. It's quite a simple message from that. The church is one body with many parts. Have a look at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And he says it again in, uh, in verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And that's the picture Paul is painting for us. A church, one body, many parts. And we know that's true when it comes to our own physical bodies. Your body's made up of around 206 bones, about 78 organs, 600 muscles, 37.2 trillion cells. But you've got one body. So when I walk into a room, you don't go, oh, look, it's 11 gallons of liquid sloshing around 22 square feet of skin. I presume you don't think that. That would be strange. But we don't do that. We don't tot up people's totals. We see that's one person, all the different parts inseparably together. And the church is like that. It is one thing, one united, indivisible thing, even though it's made up of lots of different parts. And in case we missed it, Christians are those parts. So just have a look down at verse 27 at the end of our passage. When he's speaking about the church, speaking to the church, he says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So when somebody trusts in Jesus, they are united to him. We become one with him, part of his body. It's an amazing thing the more you think about it. Think about how to accomplish his work of salvation, God the Son took on a human body, became flesh and blood like us, of Jesus Christ, so that he could die for our sins, so that he could make us one with him. Now that in that body he has gone up to heaven, how does he accomplish his ongoing work of salvation in the world? Through his body through the church, through the people connected to him by faith, and so connected to one another, through the body that's brought to life by his spirit, the church that presents him to the world, lives, serves, speaks as his body here on earth. The more you think about it, it is an amazing image that the church, that we are 
Christ's body, made of many parts, and that those are different parts. So verse 13 mentions some things which often divided people then. It talks about Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We might put different things in that category. We, we divide the world up into in-groups and out-groups, to us and them. We might do it by race or gender or social status, our political views, our level of education, our jobs, our accents, whether we say Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury, whether we're married or single, whether we have children or not, whether we're introverts or extroverts, how we dress, where we live, what sort of hobbies we have. And out in the world, all that stuff divides people. We pick our tribe and we stick with it and we feel superior to the other groups. Or we feel looked down upon by everybody. So when the world talks about diversity, it's normally about letting everybody do their own thing with nothing to unite us. And when it talks about unity, it normally means squashing all our differences so that we're exactly the same, we think the same, we act the same. It is actually only in the church that there's genuine unity and genuine diversity together because we are one body with many parts. And that's possible because we share the same Holy Spirit. See in verse 13, we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So he's saying because of our common faith in Jesus, we share one spirit, just like a body does. One soul, one body, one spirit. There isn't a Jewish body over here and a Gentile body over there. There's not a body for free people in the comfy seats and a, a body for the slaves out the back. There's not a left-handed body for Labour voters and a right-handed body for Tories. There is one body with many parts. The church is the most radically diverse group in human history, as well as the most united. So why on earth doesn't it look like it? Why doesn't it look like it? Well, well there's on the one hand, when parts of the body start denying Jesus, well, then they're not really part of the body, so that's why they don't seem to be. But on the local level, it happens because we stop seeing each other as one body. We stop treating each other like we are parts of the same body. We focus on our manyness rather than our oneness, how different we are rather than how united we are. And all those differences then become sort of a badge of honour or, or a source of shame. Let me read you a poem, a short poem by G.K. Chesterton. It goes like this. If I set the sun beside the moon, and if I set the land beside the sea, and if I set the town beside the country, and if I set the man beside the woman, I suppose some fool would talk about one being better. It's quite a short poem. Uh, it's called Comparisons. And it, it's that idea of none of those things are better they are just different. Why, when we place two things side by side, do we have to say, oh, that one must be better? How easy we become those people who think that about 
one another about some sorts of people are better. And if you read the whole of 1 Corinthians, we're just dipping into it today, but if you read the whole of it, they did this a lot in Corinth. The people Paul was writing to divided off into groups and judged each other on all sorts of things. As you read through the letter, it's who's the wisest, who's the strongest, which teachers they listened to. They were suing each other in court. They were taking communion, a fantastic picture of togetherness, except one group is not given any, any of the bread and the wine. And there's another group that's got so much they're getting drunk. They're having this huge falling out, and the biggest of the rifts was about the gifts, about the abilities, talents, capacities each one had for serving. So in Corinth, they split people off into you had gifted people and the also-rounds. And particularly for them, it came down to the gift of speaking in tongues. If you had that gift, if you were able to do that thing, then you must be a very special person. And if you couldn't do that thing, whatever that thing was, then, well, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. They turned the church into a two-tier system. You've got people in first class. They've got these particular gifts. They serve in these impressive ways. Well done, you. And then you've got the other people in cattle class who didn't do those things. And so, quite frankly, I'm, a, I'm not sure you really belong here. And that is completely the wrong way to see it. Just take a glance up, verse 4 to 6. And Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So Paul's telling us this about the church as a body because... They weren't acting like a body. They were making some people special, other people outcasts. And that isn't how a body works, isn't it? You don't have bits of your body that aren't really, it's not really part of my body. No, we are one body with many parts. And so every part belongs. Every part belongs. Every single person who trusts in Jesus is part of the body and so they belong. There's no part that's too important. There is no part that is unimportant. We're all needed and should be valued. There's no reason to be ashamed or, or no room for pride. And the rest of the passage turns, sort of takes each of those possible things in turn. You've got 15 to 20, it talks about, talks about the people who might be seen as less than other people or who might see themselves that way. And then in verse 21 to 27, he talks to the people who might be seen as more than other people and, and might see themselves that way. So we're going to look at each of those. Both of those groups need to understand that as a body, every part belongs. So first of all, to, to the insecure, the outsider, the one who feels useless, he says, you belong. You absolutely belong in the church. So he carries on this picture of a body, and he imagines this scenario in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
It's a deliberately sort of funny picture. It's body parts discuss their part, their place. But imagine that. Imagine a foot who thinks it is all about hands. I just wish I was a hand. They're so dexterous. They can pick stuff up. They can write. They can give high fives. They can point at stuff. They can, they can do sign language. They, they get to wear rings. They get to wear gloves. I wish I was a hand. If I was a hand, then maybe I could fit in. But I'm a foot. I've tried writing. I can't do it. And therefore, I'm useless. I don't belong in this body. If Mrs. Foot said that, would that stop her being part of the body? Of course not. Because the church is one body, whether we feel like we are or not. And it's the same with you. Mr. Ear says, I wish I was an eye. I just wish I could look at things and, and read books and wink at people and do all that eye stuff. But, I, but I'm not part of this body because I'm not that. If they said that, would the ear just drop off? Stop being you know, out on his ear? Is it, you know, is it on its own now? No. And in the same way, none of us should say, because I'm not like that, because I'm not like them, well, then I'm not actually part of this. Yes, you are. Every part belongs. And there are a lot of people who have this sort of poor body image, if you like. People who wish they were a different part of the body or wish they had a different function. We feel like everybody else has got their place in the body, but not me. And I think that's really common in churches where we, we look around and we think everybody else fits in. Everybody else has a role and a job and gifts to use, people who need them, but not me. Except we don't realise that there are other people thinking that about you as well. There's everybody is thinking that, and it's not true. But because we think we don't belong, we start to opt out. And then it does start becoming tricky about how much we belong in the sense of how we fit in, because we're not there, and we're, not, we're, we're opting out of things. And maybe we feel sad about it, or maybe we feel hard done by If I was an I, then maybe they'd want me around. If I, if I, if I stopped showing up, no one would even notice. No one would even care. But saying that we don't belong, acting like we don't belong, doesn't make it so. You belong. You do. Just think about it. What if we were all the same? What if every part was the more impressive bit? So that's where verse 17 goes. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? A body that's all one thing isn't a body. It would be a monster, wouldn't it? This giant eyeball. If every bit of your body actually was an eye, it would be useless. wouldn't be able to hear, couldn't move, couldn't pump blood around, couldn't eat. Ironically, probably wouldn't be able to see either without all the other bits. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Dead is where it would be. Yes, there are parts that might play a more obvious role, but every part is needed. Those important eyes, well, without the ears and the nose, what's going to hold the glasses in place? How are they going to smell? How are they going to hear? Every person in church has got a part to play. Even you. God does not make mistakes. He has made you the way you are on purpose. And verse 18 makes that very clear. 
says, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So it is a good thing that you are not more like them. It is a blessing to you and to the whole body that you've got the gifts that you have got, not the ones you don't have. We actually need you to do your bit. We don't need you to do their bit. Their bit is being done by them. You do your bit, your particular gifts, your particular character. And I wonder if we actually believe that. And whether we actually believe that about ourselves. Or it would be a nice thing we would say if someone else said, I don't belong. Oh, you do. But then when we don't think we belong, we go, no, I don't. You do. You belong. Which means, obviously, there's the flip side of it, the message for the obviously more part of it, those people, that they need to hear as well. And that is, they belong. Those other people belong, the people that you might be tempted to think less of. They belong here just as much as you do. So verse 21 sets us right on that. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So first we had the, the feet wishing that they were hands. Now we've got the heads trying to kick out the feet. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You can't just say to a part of the body, you're not part of this. Mr. I shouldn't be looking down on Mrs. Hand as unnecessary. What's needed is hand-eye coordination. There you go. I can see somebody can see that one coming. No, but there does, there does need to be that cooperation, that working together, that recognizing that the bits that are lesser, so-called, are absolutely essential. Because a disembodied head is not going to get very far without a neck and without the rest of the body and each of the ligaments and joints. If you are someone who feels that you're actually quite self-sufficient, and church might be a thing that I go to sometimes, not really a thing I'm part of, not a thing that I need, that is an illusion. We rely on each other. We do. The way every part of the body would be lost on its own. So if we are gifted in a particular way, which we all are really, but if we are gifted in a way that somebody might say it to you, don't forget those gifts are given for the good of the whole body and that you also need the rest of the body if you're going to function. And verse 22 actually takes it a little bit further. Not just can no body part say of another body part, you're not needed, but verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It's actually completely the other way around. So your elbows, for example, your elbows, those are pretty strong. They're pretty hard. You can lean on them. You can nudge people out of the way. They are absolutely solid. But you can live without them. Your liver, on the other hand, is squishy and slippery and not very nice to look at. But you would die without it. Our most delicate body parts are kept inside our bodies where they are safe and out of sight. But that's not because they're ugly and horrible. It's because they're indispensable. 
They might seem to be weaker or a bit weirder, but you cannot do without them. Now, I might be now on some kind of a watch list for researching this, but on the black market, <laughs> you could sell your whole arm for £320. One of your kidneys, 217,000. Now, again, that's not a fundraising thing or anything like that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. But the idea there is it's saying it is much smaller, it is much weaker in a sense, it is more hidden. But it is seriously valuable, isn't it? Now, that is a bit dark. I apologize for that. But, but it makes that point, doesn't it, that the bits of the church body that don't get all the attention are actually the indispensable bits. And that ought to change how we treat those parts, how we see those parts, what we do. A slightly different image comes in verse 23 and 24. It says, The parts we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So what's that saying? It's saying there are parts of our body that aren't for public display. There, there are private parts, if you like. How do we treat those parts that aren't always on view like our faces are? We treat them with special modesty. We, we're careful with them. We cover them up. Not because they're worthless and we wish they weren't there, but because they require special treatment, request special honour. Whereas our hands... Well, we don't particularly take care of those. We touch things and wave them about. We, we work with them and treat them quite roughly without even thinking about it. Not because they're better, but they just don't need that same kind of special treatment. So we don't give it to them. And in the world, out there, as it were, the most impressive, publicly gifted people are the ones who get special treatment. But in the church... That should be completely turned upside down. It ought to be, in the body of Christ, the weaker parts that are shown more honour. That's how it's supposed to be. In Corinth, the tongue was the only part of the body to be. A tongue that, that speaks amazing things but doesn't actually tell truth and life and hope to the weaker parts. And so the tongue gets told, Oi, stop thinking you're the whole body, tongue. They belong here as well. So honour them. Use your abilities to serve them. If when Baptist Church was tempted to be just one part, I don't know what that would be. It's probably best not to think about it too specifically. But whenever we value certain gifts, certain people, certain types over other people. We need that same warning. Stop thinking that you are the whole body. Don't dismiss any other parts or get annoyed with them for being what they are rather than for being what you are. I imagine the lungs are pretty keen on breathing. It's, sort of their, it's kind of their thing. I imagine them getting frustrated that they're the only people around here bringing any oxygen to the table. What are you even doing, you arms flapping around? Make yourself useful, get breathing. That's completely the wrong way to see it, isn't it? If we have a thing that we are good at or we're passionate about, well, get on and breathe, get on and do it. Not just focusing on the people who are doing their thing. Let them do their bit, you do your bit, 
Because no one bit is the whole body. We mustn't look down on the internal organs as they quietly work away out of sight. Same as the way that those organs shouldn't resent the fact that nobody gets to see them. We work together. We're not identical, but we are equal. So that's halfway through verse 24. It talks about that. It says, But God, putting the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So that's what the body's like. Not divided. There's no competition. There's no proud bits. There's no ashamed bits. Equal concern for each other, which means that your problems are my problems. And I'm sorry, but my problems are your problems. Verse 26 says, if, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So if you stub your toe, your forehead doesn't say, well, it's nothing to do with me. The whole body feels it because we're one. If you soak your feet in a nice hot bath, your shoulders relax because we're one body. We care about each other. We enter into each other's joys and each other's sorrows. So are we doing that? Or are we cutting each other off as if, oh, what happens to them is nothing to do with me? No, every part belongs. And it's a wonderful thing when it happens. I love looking around on a Sunday and you see all the different things going on. People scurrying about. Some people are chatting, smiling, welcoming people. Others tuning up. Others handing things out. Someone's cutting out crafts for something and checking microphones and giving people lifts and adjusting the heating and praying with someone and serving in all sorts of ways. Everybody's getting on with their own thing. And it is this beautiful body of Christ with wonderful, wonderful parts. And that is just one little snapshot for an hour or so on a Sunday. But to think of all the ways that those parts interact throughout the rest of the week too. You belong. They belong. Every part belongs in it. So how do we apply all of this? Well, well, the first thing is we need to reckon that it's true. We need to get verse 27 into our heads. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That is just true. So the Christian who's not part of a church is like a leg just lying on the floor on its own, or at least who thinks that's what it's doing, because we are actually part of it. But they're like that sort of isolated leg going, they don't need me, I don't need them. Not realising how cut off they are from something that is vital. Not realising the massive role that they could have, that supporting, encouraging role they could have if they just were obviously connected. We need each other. We need to play our parts as well. It's not enough to just say, I am an ear on the body, but I'm not going to do anything. No, the body needs that ear to listen, needs the heart to beat, needs each of the bits. So we ought to be thinking, what am I well-placed to do? What, what am I well-gifted to get stuck in with? Is there anything I can do that would help other people? Maybe it's something that I've got and I could share it. Maybe it is a, a talent or a skill that I could use to bless other people. And again, it's not just 
impressive things. If you have the ability to make a cup of tea and you have half an hour of time to sit with somebody, well, then you have amazing gifts to use for the good of the whole body. If you can pray, and you can, then you can grow the body without moving a muscle. Praying people might well be the the veins and the arteries that pump that lifeblood around the body, taking God's power wherever it's needed throughout the church. So, So pray. Pray on your own. Pray together. There's a prayer meeting on Tuesday. Let's grow the body together. Praying. And if you are somebody who either for a short period or or a longer time, doesn't feel like you can do very much, you you can't get out much, maybe you don't feel very useful or very needed, maybe you worry that you take more than you give to the church, if that is you, it is our absolute honour to serve you, to give you the special treatment that you need. Because in the church... We don't value what the world values. We don't put some bits on a pedestal and other bits in the bin. In this church, we want to be a church where every part belongs, especially the weakest, the bits that don't seem to be doing anything. We're not judging each other like that. We're just getting on and doing our bit. So if you are Mr. I, who looks down on other people, who needs nobody, you do. We do. So how are we going to honour those people? There might be something to talk about. Come and talk to me about it. Talk to one another. If you are Mrs. Foot, who doesn't feel like she belongs, she does, and she can serve. Again, is that you? There are things we need to talk about, ways you can be more involved. It's possible to be both, to wish you were an eye and be glad you're not a foot. Let's be glad to be what we are. I would rather be an armpit in the body of Christ than not part of it.